Hello and welcome to Volume 1, Issue 5 of the Cane and Rinse podcast. Hog an ear this way and listen up as Cane and Rinse goes about as contemporary as we get with this week's show, dedicated to Epic's recent Gears of War 3. Do our opinions mirror one another's, or will we get all emotional? K sera sera. NB, there will be spoilers. Joining me this week, my name's Leon Cox, by the way, uh, is Mr. Tony Atkins again. Hello. And we also have the return of Darren Foreman. Good evening, wonderful gentlemen. And introducing Kane and Rince contributor, Carl Moon. Hello. He's overjoyed to be here. <laughs> I think he was blown away by your emotional pun. Yes, you can never go wrong with with, uh, with a Gears of War-related pun or three. So uh, my uh, I associate Gears of War myself uh, very much with um, buying the Xbox 360. It was uh, release date, Emergence Day 2006, when I bought my very first 360. Uh, it was, uh, they'd gone down to... Uh, just under three hundred pounds at the point. At that point, um, I went into Blockbuster. They've all all the all branches of which have, have, have now died in Brighton, um, and bought a uh, Xbox three hundred and sixty. It came with Pro Evolution Soccer six, Project Gotham Racing three, I think, um, Splinter Cell, Double Agent, whatever it's called, uh, and Gears of War three, uh, Gears of War one. Sorry, Special Edition. Um, I had to go and buy a SCART lead because I didn't have an HD TV at this point. But nevertheless, I went home and played Gears of War. And uh, having recently been on previous gen consoles, I was pretty much kind of taken by the the graphics and uh, impressed. Um, and I had a certain amount of fun with it. It was also, although I'd been online with the Xbox a few years, uh, it was uh, it made for some good co op gaming with a friend of mine. And um, yeah, so I played. Played through the each each game in the series more than once. Um, what about you, Tony? I'm amazed. That's a great bundle. You look at that. <laughs> Project Gotham Free. Wow. Um, much the same. Although I obviously brought my console at launch, so uh, Gears of War was much anticipated because you know lack of games there there after launch. Um, strange, actually, I've forgotten all about Emergence Day until you had mentioned that, which was the huge campaign they rung for a, a very long time. It's coming. It's coming through the ground. Uh, um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I've continued ever since the series. Gears of War 1, in fact, was, due to lack of games, was one of the, the games I've spent hundreds of hours in, uh, along with Halo 3 and Gears of War 1, were the two that I really put the time in on, on the Xbox 360, on the multiplayer stuff. Um, some of the reasons I'll, probably, I'll, I'll touch upon later when we get to the multiplayer sections, but... Um, yeah, absolutely loved uh, Gears of War 1. Wasn't such a big a fan of Gears of War 2. Darren, what about you? What's your history with the franchise before we launch into a dissection of the latest, possibly final instalment? Well, my history with the franchise was... It wasn't like I was particularly looking forward to it that much, but it was riding a wave of hype at the time. And I decided to buy it pretty much on impulse. Um... Not really much more than that. I mean, Microsoft obviously threw a lot of marketing behind it. And uh, Cl- Cliffy B, you know, he's he's actually a decent spokesperson, you know. Like him, yeah. like him or despise him, he does know how to sell a product. Carl, welcome to the show. Gears, were you there? Were you hyped from day one? Absolutely. Uh, the the game, the franchise itself, was obviously started off as the real entry into the next generation. So we had that wait from launch till now. Uh, sorry, till then, yeah. and. 
you know, they had the huge advertising. I remember being there with a friend. We went to the Metro Center. Microsoft put on a, a game show that was touring the country, and they had a big sort of like a, a shell which had a unit of four by four Xboxes, all networked yeah. to play multiplayer Gears of War. As uh, and this was, it was a bit low key, and it was to mm. sort of get you know people's opinions bouncing around on forums, and it worked. That was when I knew I had to get Gears of War. I remember I, I then pre-ordered it with my friend. We waited, picked it up, ran home, and played it for about three days solid. So uh, did you sink a similar amount of hours into the second game in the series three years ago now, to 2008? No. I really did not like the second one much at all. Not at all? No? Um, there were, I felt there were some improvements in the sequel. The weapons felt meatier. There were, there were some little nice gameplay additions and stuff but overall I think yeah people were I I remember at the time it was reviewed very well and people seemed quite hyped for it but it's one of those games that over time has sort of become less and less well thought of I think for me it's more it's more about where the multiplayer lies um Gears of War 1 had plenty of issues with his multiplayer I mean shotgun roll and that still exists to this very day maybe but, um, we'll talk about that later. But um, it, it was something where, you know, I, I guess people didn't realise what was going on behind the scenes. And, and you know, they came up with all these promises in two that were going to fix all these issues. I mean, host advantage was ridiculous in one. If you were the host, you could do so much more than anybody else on the field. But you, you tend to just go, OK, well, that's how it played. Um, for me, Gears of War 2, it just tried too hard. Um, in the multiplayer in particular, they brought too many weapons in. Um, you know, the, right. the Moultra and the... Uh, oh, what's the the missiles from the raining from the sky. Um, mortar. Mortar, yeah, the mortar. And it just, it it confused a lot of what made the, the first game good about its multiplayer. Single player wire, just, it it seemed to throw everything, including the kitchen sink at the screen, and actually lose sight of really what it was plot-wise. Um, it was just all, you know, big, loud and, and brash and banging, and, and that was fine, but... You've just described the whole trilogy. Well, Why, uh, I'm not too sure, did. actually, because I, I think, well, you know, <laughs> I that's think more safe. I think argue that the third one wasn't really bombastic in a lot of places. Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, well, yeah, we'll come on to that. Um, they did, of course, between one and two, replace one appallingly misjudged vehicle level with another appallingly <laughs> ju- judged uh, misjudged vehicle yeah. level. Yeah, well, I'm particularly thinking, yeah, and obviously the, the the krill car in the first game with the with the light uh, that was for me absolutely abysmal. Um, the mildly improved but still ridiculous drive this clown car across some fucking ice. Uh, and yeah, that just staggering misjudgment. I thought that was but, worse than the crew. Okay, well, yeah, um, it's yeah, rock and a hard place really uh, for me. Um, uh, but thankfully, they've pretty much done away with the the bad vehicle sections in three. Um, there, it still has some on rails sections which we'll talk about. So, um, yeah, that, so that's where we've come from. Uh, we were coming to gears. Were we all day one adopters of gears three, even having been slightly collectively disappointed by gears two? Yep. Yeah, I was yep. on Nintendo too, but I've seen it for a good price, and uh, Shop 2 was st- selling it as a steelbook, and I love steelbooks. You love steelbooks? <laughs> I sure do. Uh, we'll do a show on that sometime, maybe, or maybe not. Uh, I don't think I did buy it. I can't actually remember if I bought it day one, but it was certainly within the first few days, as, as soon as I had some money spare. Um, possibly was day one, actually. Uh, and, uh, and then presumably we all took it home and... Um, Played the living crap out of it. Um, first impressions, Tony? First impressions, actually, with Gears of War 3 wasn't particularly 
great. I mean, this is a game I've been excited for for a, a fairly long time. And for you know, from my not overly fussed with Gears of War 2, I actually adored one. Uh, it, it's one of my favourite games. I know that sounds weird because you know how bombastic it is, but um. I was actually really excited about three because obviously Carl and me have been talking a lot. We we knew that we were going to go for it in um, in co-op, um, mm. well, four-player co-op, in, in fact. And so yeah, whenever that's the opportunity, yeah, I was really excited. But the first level, I was completely and utterly underwhelmed, and I, I remember everyone else having so much fun around me, and I'm and I was just sitting there going, "It it doesn't feel like gears." And oh. That actually, it actually comes down to quite an aesthetic thing, really, because you're set on it's set on the ship right at the very start, and you're you're re-meeting with all the characters, and, and that's a fairly interesting bit, and obviously the father, the death scene of the father. Um, but being it, it being set on the ship felt too much like a modern setting for me. Um, Gears itself, the the rest of the the planet. Um, feels feels just that's like where those characters belong where them being on a ship just completely threw me off and i didn't like sticking to to the scenery in there didn't like the aesthetics i thought who are these what well, the, the lambent turn up but i wanted mm. to, to chainsaw some people straight away i don't know what what i was expecting because you know in storyline that makes sense but i was actually really off put for the the entirety of that one um yeah, I felt there was uh, obviously as you say it kind of makes sense because of the way they the direction they'd taken with the story but i i did find myself um itching for some locusts to fight after the the initial onslaught of lambent um carl obviously you're a you pretty much confessed you're a uh, a gears head if that's what they call them i don't even know um were you were you immediately impressed with this or was it one of those where the hype had been so great that it was actually difficult for it to live up to i actually managed to avoid the hype for the game uh, due to my job ah okay which which was a nice bonus my, my you must have been aware via social media and stuff that the reviews were coming in and they were extremely positive. Uh, no, because I just stayed completely off Twitter and you, you're completely dark when you're over there, okay. so you literally don't hear anything. That's interesting. So what? So then, what were your first impressions coming? Because I, 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 you know, I'd seen the reviews, I'd seen the Metacritic scores, and of course, we were all aware that this game had been quite heavily delayed and seemingly for good reason as well. Um, you know, months and months of polish, basically, this game's had. So so what did you make of it coming out of the dark in that way? My first impressions were actually of the menu screen um, and how polished the game seemed to be. Everything was in sub-menus. It was clearly written. My biggest complaint from booting up Gears of War 2 was that the menu was so clumsy. Mm. Uh, that the one thing that really irked me had quite clearly been fixed. Uh, and that that was just wonderful. Uh, upon loading the game, uh, obviously it was packed with visual splendour. It was mm. stunning. We had new lighting. Or you had A new palette. Exactly. It didn't seem the, the grey and blue. It was You were welcomed with warm yellows and oranges. You know, it introduced so many things indoor. You know, you felt like it was an actual living encampment that they were on and that, you you know, you were quite clearly one of the working class cogs. Uh, it was it was a really nice introduction to the game for me. Going back to that, actually, weirdly, in the menu screen, um, I do appreciate when a developer takes note of if you've played their previous games. Uh, this does that very well it, because I'd ranked all the way up to level 100 and got the, the wings for uh, Gears of War 2. 
Mm. It gave me, a, you know, a, I think it was whatever color, a new, a new palette for one of the Lancers or, or whatever. Um, and many of the things, you know, because we completed it on Insane, it gave me another new new edition. You know, thanked, thanked me for basically playing their previous games as much as I did. Uh, I always like when developers go that extra mile and just makes you kind of like say, oh, thank you. <laughs> Ingratiate me into playing your, your third title because I put that much amount of time into it. Yeah, there's actually a few little trinkets that are locked out if you didn't partake in the beta and stuff, aren't there? Which which is, yeah, I mean, it's debatable with it, but, you know, ultimately it doesn't affect your, you're not actually, it's not content that you're missing. It's just, it's just purely, you know, virtual trinkets. And I guess that's not a huge problem. I certainly, uh, walking around the, the ship for the first time, I was immediately impressed with the way the game looked. Um, I'm not a massive fan of the, uh, at all of the character design, but I do think the environments have looked great throughout the series. And these looked, uh, very sort of, you know, th- th- this was, um, this, you could tell this is like a third generation title within this console generation. Um, the unreal, what are we on three and a half, three and <laughs> unreal engine 3.5. Um, you know, it's noticeably, moving more about and the lighting and particle effects were all hugely impressive and um yeah it looks quite you know in a in a in a destroyed way it looks quite beautiful which is i believe what they've been you know aiming at from the start destroyed beauty yeah destroyed beauty uh darren you fan of the graphics graphics in it like graphics yeah i thought the graphics were fine although possibly as a result of all the hype saying that it was one of the most beautiful looking games ever i was slightly underwhelmed by it mm. um I mean, don't get me wrong, it looks fine. looks good. But, um, I don't know, there's just something about looking at individual objects by themselves. Some of them don't seem to really mesh with the, the, the surrounding landscape quite as well as they should do. Yeah, it's not the most consistent. You can tell that a lot of different artists work on this game. It's not quite as coherent as some. I think that's, that's a fair criticism. I don't, I don't know. It's, I mean, Sarah's the world, isn't it, they're on? Um... Sarah's the world, yes. Sarah. It's a it's a hodgepodge world out there because it's all yeah. But no, I mean, I, I I think the the world's actually brilliantly formed together. It feels like a place that certainly at this point was once lived and and by now completely ravaged by everything the war that's happened. And the cogs do actually feel you know you do get a sense that they're they are a, a class and a, maybe a a generation of people that are going to be wiped out. They're they're no longer you know fighting against them. They're just there on the survival. The only place they can survive is on a ship. Um, but for me, I mean, aesthetically, I don't think the game really lights up in, until you get slightly further in. As soon as I got onto dry land, I felt, yep, this is Gears. This is how, I, you know, the sticking feels that much better onto the walls and hmm. the lighting effects and, you know, walking through corridors and the, the beams of light coming through the windows and, and the dust particles. It, it's certain, I mean, it's to look at this as a, a 360 game now to back the, you know, I loaded up Gears 1 recently. It's night and day, the difference in, in what, bet, what yeah. they've achieved in that engine. Um, and, you know, we assume it's the last for this generation. But uh, it's certainly up there with one of the better looking games of this generation across all platforms. But it is a somewhat of an acquired taste if you like yeah. the Unreal type look of stuff. That, That's you know, exactly yeah. what I was going to say just now, because Unreal games have got a really distinct look. Mm-hmm. And I've got to say, I'm not entirely a fan of the, the engine, to be honest. Ooh. Yeah, I'm that controversial. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, what, what does that involve? What the the gunplay it's, mechanics? It's not very sticking? good at human. It's not. No, you mean the visual engine? Yeah, yeah. Um, I th- it's not very good at human faces, for one thing. I thought they did that okay in this one. They obviously took a lot of care to render the models, but uh, there's something about the way that a lot of objects in each environment meshes with, with each other that uh, just comes off looking strange to me. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a strange thing. It, it reminded me a lot of um, Bulletstorms, obviously using the same engine, in that it's sort of pretty, but also feels slightly un, <laughs> unreal. That genuinely no <laughs> pun intended. In that it's it it is more like a, it's an engine that sort of excels in creating a hyper reality rather than a convincingly gritty one. The similarity to Bulletstorms also there because people can fly came across and helped Epic on Gears of War three. That makes perfect sense. I guess uh, the thing that struck me the most, and this is both visual and gameplay, is that the arenas of Skirmish were so much bigger um, to accommodate uh, four people. Sometimes I think there's even five cogs. Four, you can have four humans and then like another one's fighting alongside you or something like that, um, plus uh, seemingly far more enemies at any one time. Um the uh, as one of the first things that Darren pointed out to me when we were playing co-op early on was how brilliant it is now that the emergence holes, which were rather underwhelming before, um, and you could you could seal them with grenades, which was quite a fun thing, which is now gone. But uh, they were just sort of slightly so-so craters in the ground. But now when locust emerge, they come bursting out of the ground and flying through the air, which is really fucking cool. And it's fun trying to take them out as they fly through the air before they've even hit the deck. Um, and it look, yeah, it looks good. The dust kicks up and the light filters through the dust and everything. It's all very impressive, but the bigger arenas just allow so much more scope for, uh, all the bits in gears one and two, where it was like, you know, you had the opportunity to flank, you could tell it was, you know, it wasn't scripted, but you were being forced down that alley. Whereas now, combat tactics are far more open especially if you are playing in a with a group of of other of humans rather than ai for you to actually you know work around the enemy and and utilize i mean i have to say this is the key um i've played the game you know a few times now um twice in in co-op um what we went through it on hardcore mode first time and then insane the second time carl uh, um, a little bit through in single player. Single player really isn't actually that interesting. Um, it, I don't know what it is about the Gears franchise in particular, but single player, you feel like you're just going through the motions. You, you, you're working way down the corridor. Certainly on the lower difficulty levels, you, it's just a shooting gallery. But co-op in, in Gears of War completely changes this game. And I know co-op's always better pretty much makes every game always seem better but gears yeah. in particular um having yeah. to you know flank each other and there's such a solid feel between you know landing between one wall and sending the next person over there and you can see him hit it with you know good force and uh, you know exactly where they are and the whole helping up uh, scenario then yeah I, I don't know it's i think if anybody is not really enjoying it in single player wise it's well worth actually finding a, a friend to enjoy it through because it does actually lighten it up a lot more yeah, I agree entirely. Actually, I was playing, I played it through on normal straight away. Um, and then I've started playing through again on hardcore, which is something I've done with every game in the series. And I was playing uh, for some time yesterday on solo with three AIs. And I was finding it a little bit ho-hum, a little bit humdrum. Mm. Um, even though, you know, the mechanics are still there. It's still fun to shoot Locust in the face and explode those, particularly those giant uh, Lambert monsters who go up with a nuclear explosion. Um, but then later on, I uh, played with a friend and uh, again, just so much more fun that, you know, those bits where you, you save somebody at the last second or you, you know, you, you're one of your friends is being pinned down by sniper fire and you snipe the sniper from across the map and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It's just so much fun. I, I, I love that. Actually, we're talking about the, the moment that I actually really enjoyed 
um, broke away from the Act 1 and actually starting to really enjoy it was that big lambent you take down that blows up as you just referenced mm. uh, I remember we, we were just all firing it and it was going Jesus Christ how many bullets does this thing take <laughs> and all of a sudden you see it expand and then go boom and one thing you're not used to in Gears is quite so much colour on screen at once it goes yeah. bang in a great big orange yeah, splurge yeah. that bounces across the entirety of the screen it almost feels like an earthquake's gone off and I remember there being a silence in the room and then I believe it, I giggled and then everybody else started like, whoa, <laughs> what the hell was that? But what you actually do find later on in the game, you can use those to your advantage because as they ex- explode, then they can take other things with them. So you can yeah. actually use them as, you know, uh, ticking time bombs to, to clear up other sections, which your workout works very well in Insane because Insane's pretty punishing. Two or three hits and you're down and dead and there is no revive. Uh, you're just on a, a counter. Um, so that runs out. If that runs out and everyone's dead at the same time, over. So, one of the great things I think about the series as well is is the audio. I know they one thing they did improve from two uh, to two from one was the gun sounds became a lot meatier, um, and I think the actual sound effects in Gears Three are are excellent. They both do the job of telling you what's going on <laughs> to the ridiculous point that you know it's kind of charming but kind of ridiculous that a lot of the big enemies actually tell you what they're doing. <laughs> boom. It's like, <laughs> you don't need to do that. Right. You really don't. Yeah. Grind, boom, dig, whatever. But, uh, the actual, the, the sound of things exploding and splatting and, uh, yeah, the, the gun reports and all that kind of thing. It all sounds great. And the score I think, um, is, uh, it's, it's kind of, traditional sort of predictable but i think it i think it does a job i think it's all right does anyone think the the the, the audio is or the, the the soundtrack is better than good not really it's it's very standard i mean there's no there's, there isn't a single theme in it that i recalled after playing the game yeah yeah it's uh, it, i mean it's fitting but it's not exactly what i would call a particularly powerful score not outstanding not to me carl was that you disagreeing there uh, no, I, I, I personally think it's a very good soundtrack. Um, it, it has its highs and lows, but at some battles when it starts hitting a crescendo, you start to feel in that battle, you start to feel, you know, everybody's, you know, geeing up on excitement and adrenaline. And it, there were several parts of that game that it just, that won me over. And I remember we were playing co-op and I was saying, how good was the soundtrack? Um, of course, it's not as good as, say, something like Dead Space 2, which, in my opinion, is the best this generation, but it's certainly way above Gears of War 1 and 2. And the sound effects are, in 5.1, my favourite this generation, which has taken over from Uncharted 2, which was the best until then. Uh, yeah, so the composer is uh, Steve Jablonski. Um, he's done quite a lot of film work, but it has to be said for mostly uh, not brilliant films that you would necessarily associate with amazing scores. Um, he did the Gears 2 score, but he didn't do the Gears 1 score, I think. Is that right? I'm not sure. Mm. Um, he's done a few other games as well, some Sims games and things. But, um, yeah, I think it's decent. Uh, you know, the orchestration's perfectly competent and all that. Um, and, yeah, you're right, you're right, Kai. It does have its its sort of uh, bombastic moments where you think, yeah, yeah, that, that goes pretty well. But, um, yeah, I guess it probably varies depending on how much you're invested in the characters and the story, which is something we're coming to. Um, 
so overall, without dissecting every single level and section of the campaign, um, is it actually is it a strong campaign? The, a lot of people were disappointed with Gears Two. It it kind of wobbles about and ends with a whimper. Um, does does this do a job? I'm talking as a game here, not as a story. I'm talking as in as a set of levels, as a as a fun thing to play. It, does it does it do a good job? I personally think it does a very good job. It puts you on a journey from every section. The piercing in Gears of War Three is one of its very strongest assets. Obviously, Gears of War One was flawed in that half the story seemed to be missing that was later put in the PC version. The second one, you were above ground, you were below ground. Nobody really cared where you were. You're inside a monster. Yeah, (laughs) that's pretty much the only memorable part of the second game. And only memorable because it was so fucking ridiculous. It was way over the top violent. Um, In the third one, it picks up its pace around Act 3, it pushes you through to Act 5, and every section is quite clearly defined in its geography, the way Mm. it's modelled. The lighting changes. It you know you get a more somber feel. Uh, it's certainly not so aggressive in some parts. I mean, obviously, you've got the the graphical effects are there. You know, you've still got the very strong normal mapping, the specular mapping, the occlusion maps that are all in there. But it doesn't feel like it's saying, "Hey, we can do all this all at the same time," which is how I felt that Gears of War Two went. For that reason, Gears of War 3 feels like a much more complete game. All the acts are quite clearly in order. Uh, it's, I couldn't complain with it in that regard. Yeah, I think um, it's easy to forget what Gears of War has actually brought us. I mean, from the very first one. So cover mechanics clearly did exist before Gears of War, but Gears of War did um, make them palatable, I guess, Um and I, you know, if you look at Gears of War Three, I think it's the best version of that. It's still for me. It's it's you know, although you, it's a kind of a love and hate thing with the sticky mechanic stuff. Once you're into it and you know exactly how it works, it's great and it's great fun when you you know you're two or three foot away from a wall and you press the button, you slide towards it. It's a bit arcadey for sure, but it it works. So I you mean, know, it's still maybe the best cover mechanic out there. Still, it messes around with um, the sound stuff. So. As when you enter the battle, when the battle finishes, it plays you that little click, or that little doom. It messes around that, and so many games have copied that since and, and used it as their thing. You got the active reload. So mm. for me, the Gears of War Three it it perfects on every single one of those aspects that it's been doing in its gameplay. Um, we can argue all we want about the story, but I think the gameplay has always been pretty damn solid in Gears games. Hence why it's gone on to sell quite so many. And it's not yeah. just because of, uh, you know, it's how pretty it looks or, you know, that's, I'm not too sure who's buying it from the story, but, you know, or even just the multiplayer. It's just the engine itself is utterly solid. Um, and back to the comment about the six months that they've had extra to work on it. I think that shines in just about every department. Yeah. It For once, it feels like a game where, although a AAA release, that they've had time to polish. Um, so few games have that ability, you know, have that luxury now. Um, I know we, it's normally reserved to Blizzard and um, Valve titles, which we all, you know, think are absolutely amazing half the time. Nintendo, just, first party. Well, yeah, um, and it may be even Sony, although you know they're they're pushed against the wall all the times just to get stuff out. And, you know, I'm sure. Team Eco, I think. Uh, yeah, Team Eco in, in particular. But I'm sure you know, the Uncharted team, Naughty Dog, would love another six months just to work on Uncharted Three, and it would probably be a Perhaps. better. Well, it would probably arguably be a better game for that because you know more time 
essentially gives people more chance to, to polish and even take out or, or to improve. Um, and that's my overall feeling about the gameplay. It feels like the best game version of a Gears of War game. Um, if you don't like Gears of War, I don't think it's ever going to convince you that it's you know it's your cup of tea. But um, if you're just going in there for pure gameplay wise, yeah, it's it's great. And certainly, if you're going to mess around the four player co op, um, it's it's some of the best co op you can have at you know this side of Halo personally. Um, and that's saying something because that's you know such good fun. So yeah, for me, it I think it it ticks all the boxes it needs to. Um, the disappointing side is because it does that, it starts to feel a little bit generic. Um, because it's number three in the series, we have seen all this stuff before. So maybe I would like to see it go in a completely different direction and surprise us all. But big franchise, a lot of money mm. thrown behind it. Yeah. As always, we've had this conversation. You know, if mm. if they went off and done that, same as you know, almost the identical conversation with God of War. You know, what if if they went a different direction? Um, and you could argue God yeah. of War is almost very similar. In, you know, it's looks pretty. You know, it it perfects pretty much every single uh, asset that it's done previous, but it maybe lacks that little something different because we are number three. Halo suffered the same. So many number threes for me suffer. You know, the same thing. But you know, if there's ever going to be a number four. I think maybe that's where they they have a chance to mess around. But for now, I think this this is a solid game, good fun game to play. Might be one of those where it gets handed off to another uh, development team um, for the the gears people to go and make something else. Bef- you know, before they get absolutely sick of making them, and, uh, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and then and then it remains to be seen. You know, do the it depends who the team are, whether they you know whether they get it and how they treat it. But that's that's totally speculation. For me, it's just it's an incredibly um, consistently good campaign and i think there's there's a couple of bits that are less exciting i think the getting all the bits for the submarine section is a, that is was, a bit yeah. labored uh but there are still some good enjoyable firefights within that segment um but i think yeah making you do go on effectively three fetch quests in a row was a bit lame felt a bit like padding um but otherwise yeah there's no massive missteps like with the previous games where there were bits where you just go oh my god that's so annoying or so stupid like the uh, the bit walking across the creaking floor in the first game where you'd fall down in the pit with the <laughs> with the uh, with the little fellas and have to climb back up the ladder um and of course yeah the vehicle sections that we mentioned before and stuff like that um even the 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 cannon, the cannon and turret sections that there are are extremely good fun, and the, the, actually the the bits where you get to pick up a heavy weapon, um, particularly the, the 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 one where you need a, a friend to carry the ammo box, that gun is just so much fun to fire. It makes a ridiculous noise and does a ridiculous <laughs> amount of damage. Um, there's such a great variety of entertaining weapons in this game as well. I mean, the one shot is just hilarious. Like, yeah, okay, just for a couple of little sections in this game, we'll put in a gun which kills anything in one, one shot. shot. <laughs> Go on, have fun. Enjoy yourself. It's like it's it's all done with the idea of the player enjoying themselves. It's not about pissing them off or whatever. You know, I know on I haven't played it on insane, and I know it'd be a lot tougher on that level. And those those kind of weapons will come into their own there. But on normal and and hardcore, you get one of those uh, yeah super cannons or a Vulcan or whatever it is, and a and a one shot. It's just pure balls out fun and and. I've been playing it through on the um, my replay on arcade settings, so you get a score for everything you do, and you've got a multiplier. And this is where the game, and this is an extremely high compliment from me. Um, the whole thing reminds me of playing um, the same feeling as I got when playing Williams Smash TV back in 1990, which is one of the greatest coin ops ever made. It's the, the sequel to Robotron, and um, it's just 
you know, it's pure carnage, pure destruction. That was a that was a top down two D twin stick shooter, whereas this is a you know over the shoulder third person uh, cover based shooter. But really, the the feelings of playing the games are almost identical. In you know, it's just a total riot, a party of of destruction and gore. And playing it with the high score on, and you know, getting up to like a time seven multiplier, and then getting you know killing a a a reaver with one shot instead of having to whittle away at it and getting like 3000 points for it. Brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. P- pure video gaming, you know, and that that's where the, this game's strengths are for me away from the, the, the story and, and scenario. Yeah. I think you've drawn some good points, uh, particularly about, you know, not taking yourself too seriously. I think some credit has to go to Cliffy Bay, who's maybe the best in the business at, you know, not taking himself too seriously, but putting something out there at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you drew reference to the one shot, the Vulcan. Uh, and I think that's great that they've done that. They've put that in the game, had a bit of fun. And you also drew on the fact that the game series may continue under a different development team. It may be a bit telling that his, his little bit of information on the credit screen at the end of the game is mm-hmm. simply the space for rent. Yeah, good spot. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Although I suppose there may be the temptation for for him and, and Ferguson and the others to, uh, presumably they're already in receipt of next-gen Xbox hardware and they may be playing with it and going, oh my God, do you we think could do They could would do actually this. do that though. Because, I mean, it's always struck me that Microsoft's paid a lot of money to keep Gears with them. Obviously, they own the license of it, but they, they've paid a lot of money for Epic to continue to work on that franchise. When... Clearly, they could be making some sort of multi-platform thing and, and earning a whole ton of money. Do you think that Microsoft can, can strike another deal for that to happen outside the Gears franchise, or would that almost be too much to ask? Mainly because you know we coming into this um, you know end of this season, people were saying that Microsoft didn't have enough exclusives, and quite frankly, Gears of War wasn't going to cut it. Um, and it's come out, wasn't it? it? It sold three million copies on on day one, and I believe it's you know it's post five million at, at this point. It will probably end up towards the most pre-ordered uh, console exclusive game of all time. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it's proven you know that there was so much interest about this game, and a lot of people did pick it up, and a lot of people have, you know, have paid good money that it, it was the right choice to push it out this far. But I, I think if they lose Epic and lose this second tier one because obviously Halo comes out and they've always used Gears as that buffer. They're, I think they're going to need whatever project they get from at least somebody, if it's not Epic, who else? Because they need a, a second yearly project. So, I don't know. <laughs> I, I hope, personally, that Epic have something up their sleeve, but I, I kind of wish that everybody had the chance to play everything nowadays. But as a as console exclusive, it, it's pretty important for them. Darren, did you enjoy the campaign overall? I'd say I enjoyed it, but at the end, I wasn't exactly blown away by the way everything uh, turned out. I mean, the game's fine. The game, the game plays reasonably well, but there was nothing that really stood out as being completely fantastic, you know? Looking back on it, there weren't that many standout moments. There were some good ones, I mean, I quite liked the last boss fight, some of the effects on that. But in the end, it just felt like a Gears game. It was a, it's a polished one, but uh, I just kind of wish that maybe uh, you could do more with it, more with the combat. Yeah, that that was one thing that I was going to talk to uh, Carl about particularly because I know Carl's also a huge fan of Halo. Um, we've played uh, Halo Reach online together before, and the, what we both uh, agreed about that game in particular was the thing that makes it so magical is the um, the emergent moments because of the the game, the way the game is 
based so much around physics that such crazy things can happen um, that not only can you utilize tactics of of holding certain weapons and things like that but also you know you're never quite sure and you you know just what might you know, crazy things you know you watch those videos of of uh, halo moments and there's no other game that could have that sort of mm-hmm. that type of stuff in it um whereas gears is very much more of the uh the the, the sort of thing where you know the physics are kind of you know pre pre-described there's there's not that much room for uh, true, yeah, emergent moments, for want of a better phrase. Yeah, you tend to get funneled into set pieces quite a lot. You know, there's not really that many ways to actually take them on. There's the occasional time when you can maybe circle around behind them, use an alternate path. But um, nearly every encounter in the game does feel very similar to the last, unless it's a, a significantly different enemy type. And I just wish there was more you could play around with, like with the core combat engine. Like, for instance, if you get in close, there's not that much you can do. Just uh, hold down the B button. Pretty much, you can hold down the B button. You can use a shotgun, but um, you can even strap grenades to someone's head and kick them back into the fight. You can blow up their pals. Hmm. But, um, I always forget to do that. Yeah, like, when it gets in close, it just feels incredibly clunky to me. Yeah, I would agree, actually. I've had problems with the melee throughout the series. Yeah. Well, and apart from allowing them to, to hit him in the face and kick him, you know, in like some sort of brawler, which I think would you know, probably ruin the gameplay for a, for a better word. It it doesn't suit that franchise, or, or you know, maybe I could be wrong. But um, I mean, bear in mind if if you do take them down, um, and this is something that we were definitely doing, um, just for a bit more fun. If you shoot them in the legs, you can take them down, and from that you can have a number of execution moves Executions, from yeah, different I was weapons. Say, they're, they're quite brawlerish, a lot of them. Yeah, um, you can. I mean, a lot of it is actually to the player to build variety in it. Of course, you can just take the Lancer. You can sit there and you can mow your way through. Uh, some enemies, that would really be a bad idea because you'd be pumping more bullets than need be. Um, yeah. And the tactics are there if you want, you know, for a lot of enemies, the wise move is for a sniper rifle and shoot him in the head. For instance, you, who's that new um, still type guy, Carl? Terrible remembering his name. Armored Cantus. Oh, yeah. yeah, the armor. Yeah, that. <laughs> bunch, of, bunch of Cantus, as I call it. Yes, them. evil, evil thing. Um, then you grenade tag it, um, essentially to kill it, and it's it, and it's you know it's a powerful thing. The tactics are all based around the weapons. It's true. Um, and but I, I guess what I'm I'm to, uh, yeah like I I took down armored Cantuses with a boom shot yesterday. You t- if you if you've got two two in the two in the pipe with a boom shot, you use one to hit them and and another one to finish them off. And simple as that. But there are yeah there are a number of ways you can attack each monster with weapons. But uh, what what I was getting at was the fact that the the, the overall pattern of play is, is predictable. It's and a corridor. Yeah, pretty much. Because yeah, and because of the lack of as I say, the lack of real physics, you know, things blow up and they get, you know, they get jibbed and turn into chunks on the floor, but um, it hasn't got that same sort of incredible scope for the unpredictable as Halo or something like that. I wonder what Carl thought about that. I think it's quite an interesting one because it's not necessarily just Gears of War 3. It's if you see anything random happen in any game, it's a glitch. If it happens in Halo, it's genius. <laughs> Uh, so I, I guess it's a trait of the Unreal Engine you know, everything's big and chunky in, in Gears mm. of War it doesn't really lend itself to other kinds of gameplay they, they couldn't sort of throw punches and kicks in close combat say like Drake does in Uncharted games you've got 
at the end of the day, the soldiers that use weapons, when it gets to close combat, it's going to go to shotguns and grenades because mm. that, that's what would happen in that situation. That's a thing, um, though. I mean, you could imagine them using not so much a combo. I mean, that makes it sound like a fine game. But you'd think that they would be a little bit more adept at using, say, the retro lancer and the bayonet. You know, because like, if you try and use that in close as a melee attack, it's just a quick swipe. It just seems a shame that you can't really get vicious with it, you know? The idea is that it knocks them back, it stops them firing the shotgun because it delays the shotgun, or it'll knock back their chainsaw. So if you press B, you knock them back, you can roll away. Then say if you've got, a, if they've still got the shotgun out, which is the idea, you'll then just pick them off with a gun because they're not going to get you with a shotgun. I understand the concept there, but I just think it would be more interesting if you could get stuck into the buggers because they've messed with their shotgun blast and then just <laughs> knife them to hell, you know? I, I do like the retro lancer. <laughs> so do I. It's just that uh, I feel they could have done more with that enclosed aspect of it. It's good at a range because obviously you can run up and, you know, can like sodomize someone with a bayonet. It's the Lambent humans that that, that seems to have been designed with that in mind, the, the bayonet charge for the, the sections of the game where you, uh, yeah, you basically can run through four or five at a time. Or have ten chasing you, which we found out in our gameplay when I play through. <laughs> because well, uh, the, the yeah, humans I saw in a few Benny Hill moments, yeah, actually, the, in the single player campaign. The humans in particular are on insane. Are because, there's so many of them. So you, you take two hits, you go down, and obviously so mm. all, all four of you go 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 down. It's game over. Yeah. Um, it's pretty easy for that to happen. So we did manage to find a tactic between us where if you did laps around in circles, the AR would you know linked towards the one person where everyone else seems to be following um so we'd have this benny heel moment where i'd be running around in circles while everyone else was picking yeah. off the ai uh, which was fun it was one of those moments that you're like oh this yeah this works thank god i don't know how else we would have got through this otherwise but um i mean i i, I find it hard because it, it is a very different game from halo and I, I think carl's right there's not many that you could argue have that same um, very true same feeling that you know you, anything could happen at this point and yeah, it was because I made it, as a, it as a stick to beat it with so much as I was just interested because obviously Carl is a huge fan of both and uh, I was I was thinking that maybe Gears could be seen as to be slightly lacking in those terms but I, well, and I think that comes entirely down to the engine as, as great as yeah, the engine yeah. has been for so many games and you know many different gaming styles it is limited in what it can achieve um, now I'm sure we're going to have some uh, <laughs> some designer tell us no you, in fact you could do that but it seems to be that um, Epic themselves know what the Gears of War franchise should feel like to me that you know the retro Lancer charging across the room and, and you, know, you know basically making people into kebabs is absolutely hilarious uh, but it doesn't. I don't think it does entirely fix uh, some of the problems which has been arisen through games that have come out, you know, since the original Gears of War. But mm. it, to me, it feels like they, you know, they've set down this path, um, and this was the world and environment they built, and they haven't strayed too far off it, even though the industry is is essentially a changed around them. Um, so I don't know. May, yeah, it, it, maybe it is a good, the right time to bring Gears of War, f- you know, franchise to an end because it, you know, it's told its story essentially. Um, well. Funny you say that. Yeah, no. uh, it's about time we tackled this uh, this uh, tricksy side of the the gears experience. Um, here's a uh, here's a comment, skyped in by uh, Joe Berman. Hello, caners and rinsers. Um, it's Joe Berman here, Mister McFluffin, also known as. Um, just wanted to ask you a question, stroke, make a comment about Gears of War because I know you've got an episode coming up. 
So there was a lot of talk of the storyline for Gears of War being a fantastic emotional experience, unlike any previous Gears of War game. Um, and I just wondered if it was only me who was missing a trick with that, really. I, I really didn't get that at all. I didn't really uh, notice any kind of emotional attachment to the to the story. Um, and I wonder if it's uh, a common thing that, that games can spend 10 hours trying to develop a story, whereas a film can do it quite succinctly within an hour and 15 minutes. And uh, why why is it that games can't do that? Uh, why Why can't they create a story within this big time frame that you spend with them? Um, loving the show, chaps. I'll speak to you soon. Lots of love. Goodbye. So, yeah, there's uh, there's Joe asking about, uh, his, well, more commenting on his lack of emotional response to the subject matter. This this is uh, this has come to light for me in uh, in recent times as as somebody who listens to other podcasts. Um, when I when I played Gears One, this was pre podcast days for me before listening to podcasts and uh, I played the game I shot the monsters I thought yeah it's basically it's space invaders with big idiot space marines and I thought nothing more about it than that um, these were action figures they were purely ciphers to in you know enjoy the the game through um, they spoke to each other entirely in glib Hollywood sound bites and that was fine um, and then the sequel, it was more of that, only they put in some comedy scenes like the one where Dom euthanizes his wife and uh, and things like this. Um, but then I started catching wind via podcast that some people were actually really buying into this stuff. People getting the Crimson Omen tattooed onto them. I don't know if that maybe that's just more the love of the playing the multiplayer with friends and stuff. But it was uh, it was my interest in this was piqued recently by uh our uh, fellow character select network show from ready up they did a gears of war 3 spoiler show which i really enjoyed uh dan benden friend of the show hosted it and uh, but the, the the three contributors they were all so massively invested in this story and these characters i was absolutely gobsmacked i had no idea that such bright people could be so taken by these by these wwe wrestlers are you sure um, that this wasn't a parody show <laughs> Well, is it just me? These characters are witless, two-dimensional. They have no arc. How how can you be involved? It's it's just like I don't think the overarching story of Sarah and the Locust and the Emulsion and the Lambert and all that. There's nothing really wrong with that. It's just a sci-fi yarn. Sci-fi stories in themselves, you know, that that everything's been done. It's it's got a few little interesting original twists of its own, although. Most of the single-player campaign seems to be about getting hold of fucking fuel, which isn't that exciting. Um, but the actual, the, the the emotional beats are so basic. It's like someone I'm close to died. Oh, I am sad. Someone did something good. I am happy. Uh, Witness it. Somebody, something bad happened. Well, I'm going to be glibly ironic about it. Um, there's no, there's just nothing to get hold of, and I was just amazed at people like know they know all these characters' names, like they can tell you the age of the fucking Carmine brothers, and it's like <laughs> I just I'm mystified, I'm completely mystified. Can can somebody help me out here? Well, you're saying that you can remember the, you've got people that can remember the age of the Carmine brothers. I can barely remember the Carmine brothers. They wore helmets. <laughs> they wear helmets. But. Yeah. Uh, I'll be honest, Gears of War 3, although I didn't think it had many decent story moments, like emotional ones, I, I was quite impressed with how uh, Dom, spoiler time, reacted to the death of uh, Dom. 
you know, Don he actually to his own death. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you mean Marcus? Yeah, yeah. Well, that shows exactly how uh, much I invest in the cartels, you know. <laughs> They're all called Dom. Yeah, it's Dom's beard, man. You know, like I think I bit a cartel on it. I remember the beard, and then I just Marcus's reaction was more to do with the death of Dom's beard than the Dom himself. Exactly. You know, he never got worked up about uh, Dom like that before. You know. It was, oh. um, I don't know. Do they have? They, I mean, they've shared a close bond throughout all the games. So you know, he has seen him pretty much as his brother throughout all the games. So when he which does is, die, which is portrayed how? The the thing is, I mean, that sequence actually felt insane to me. It it just seemed like Dom died for the sake of it, because they've been in those kind of situations a hundred times before, and they've come out of it smelling roses. To the point that he was honking his fucking horn as he drove towards the fuel tanker. I'll tell you, the one thing that would have made that scene classic, instead of being on a roof, they were clustered around Maria's grave. And the only way that he could detonate the tanker was to crash it straight into the tombstone. So you could just have this, like, mental anguish. He's like, I can't do it! But I've got to save them! I can't deface, uh, like, deface my wife's grave! Uh, as as soon as as soon as he hung up his cog tag on Maria uh, Maria's family thing, that was you know you knew that he was going to die from that point on, um, and fairly shortly as well. Um, and yeah, it's like um, you know the, the the sad the sad inverted commas moments in the Gears games sort of um, echo the advertising campaigns in that it's you know it's it's as simple as juxtapose pretty sad song against enormous violence knowing that i mean obviously we've, we've had conversations outside this podcast and, I, and i've known your feelings about the story beats that you're not a fan of and I, I had a good long think about you know how they've ended up in this scenario and you got to look where gears of war originally started which was like you were saying leon just a big loud brash shooter um from epic when you really look at epic's pedigree you, you're not really looking for a great overarching story of any kind whatsoever um, so the fact that they, you know, I remember when um, Gears 1 came out, they were talking about they had this story. And, and and for them, that was a big deal because they hadn't really messed around with story ever at all. So the fact they had any kind of story as paper... Jazz Jackrabbit had a fantastic mm. subplot. <laughs> but as paper thin as it was, I think they were very proud of it. Um, Gears 2's Maria Death... I, I know, it, you know, some people like to laugh at it. I think actually, I mean, Alex and me are, are I talked like about... I like to laugh at it. I couldn't help but laugh But now we, we're talking about that. You take that out of um, the context of it being within Inside Gears uh, and just, and, you know, I, I'd actually believe if you do show it uh, as a scene um, without the, the, the knowing who the Gears are, I think it does have some sort of emotion uh, resonating with you. If it um, had, yeah, if it was, if the exact same scenario, i.e. somebody euthanizing their life partner because they'd been tortured to a state of catatonic catatonia yes um, that that in itself is an incredibly powerful and moving thing however when it's being done by a ridiculous he-man and the masters of the universe action figure with a gun the size of a small house and his wife looks like a barbie doll that's been half melted it kind of loses all gravitas. But, uh, that was exactly where I was going. I think, you know, they they clearly wanted to, to bring a deeper storyline through in, into the Gears franchise. And yet they had saddled themselves already with the hunking great big beasts of, you know, American footballers. Um, and the two don't necessarily match. Um, and I, I, I think with Free, they, they have made a concerted effort to bring the story to the forefront rather than hide it in the background just from moving from scene to scene. Um is it particularly, you know, work of art? No, not 
essentially no does it lead you from scene to scene very much so but i, I think there is moments i mean that there is reason de jour for them to be going to certain places and um i think once again the, the death of don if you've invested any kind of emotional character into those characters through the three games there is a, a sense of okay well that's a fairly big character to, to wipe out i think the setup of it i agree it was ridiculous because there was no reason for him to die there they've got out of that situation so many times um it was laughable but i don't think the entirety storyline is is completely without merit to be honest i mean as i was saying earlier his reaction to dom's death was actually well done in several parts like, um, you could actually tell that he was not just heartbroken, but, like, really angry-ated. Yeah, because he kind of, you could tell, because instead of shouting every line, he said some of them in a slightly lower voice. Yeah. Was, see, now, was... now, see, you're taking the mic, you know, directly on it every single time, so... That's the thing, though. I mean, like, the section with Aaron Griffin later on, Aaron Griffin's just had his entire workforce wiped out. But uh, it's really through no fault of the cogs. It just kind of happens that way. Um, they've been hunted and uh, Griffin's forces got in the way. But like that conversation where Aaron's really been obnoxious and Marcus just is like, I just lost my fucking brother. That was a really well-delivered line, you know? And in that moment, I wanted to kill Aaron Griffin. There's no doubt that John DiMaggio is a talented voice actor and, you know, I love Bender and apparently he's doing a great job as uh, replacing Mark Hamill as a Joker and respect you, I, I you know, I'm really... But in this, the, the, you know... Yeah, okay, I'll concede that there are a few little moments in the post-Dom bit where, where he does actually come across as more than just a completely paper-thin, two-dimensional action figure lunkhead. But overall, they haven't earned the right with their characterization and, 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 and plot up to this point for me to have anything invested. And the, the thing that keeps getting thrown at me is, well, you know, um, Karen Travis, who writes this stuff, she's from just down the road, really, in Wiltshire. Um, she's uh, been involved in the story, and, and there's and there's all these spin-off novels as well. People are saying, well, you know, if you'd read the novels, you'd, you'd be more invested in stuff. Why the fuck would I read the novels? Yeah, I never yeah, buy that it's, it's argument. It's like a little and shit like that, you know? Anything that's not in the game may as well not be in it as far as I'm concerned when you're accounting for the story. If, but if, if a game had really earned its right to, to sell me interesting expanded universe novels, you know, like it was Mass Effect, for instance, yeah. Well, maybe, or Bioshock, or you know, depending on your feelings, obviously, any number of different things. But Mario Gears hasn't done that, Mario, yes. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but Gears just hasn't done that. Carl, you've been very silent on this. Uh, what, what's your take on the whole? He's actually trying to gather up his Simran rage for a really calculated put down. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> no, what I would say is in regards to everybody drawing onto Maria incident in Gears of War 2 which was obviously the headline emotional moment in the game yeah. it was it was much better delivered with Ty that actually did have more of an emotional effect on me uh, and was much better handled it didn't seem as ludicrous you know I mean although Dom knew that his wife was lobotomized basically and that she wasn't coming back it wasn't really conveyed to the player that well at the time so it was just, it, for me, it seemed like a case of, hey, Maria, oh, shit, bang. And that was the end yeah, of it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have a problem with that. Uh, what it attempted to do was good. What it delivered wasn't. The two different things. If you accept what it attempted to do, then I haven't got a problem with it. What would we rather them do? I mean, you, 
in this scenario, I think they've taken the middle of the ground. They either turn it into a, a, a seriously serious, a seriously serious story, terrible dialogue, but hey. Um, and, in which case, I think they then have to forego some of the more you know dr- <laughs> cheeky uh, moments that they they have within you know the main game itself. For instance, in two, you know, ch- chopping through the belly of a beast. Um, you know, you can't get away with a sensible story and then go down that route. No. Um, so then we we look towards something like Bulletstorm, where you go the opposite end, where it's completely over the top. Oh, it's fantastic! And it's you know it's it's got it's you know it's tongue firmly in its cheek, and it's just having you know this is all just one great big laugh. I think what it tries to do is is find the middle ground where there's a half serious story and half its tongue in its cheek, um, and I think that either winds people up or they just completely ignore it altogether. I personally don't want gears to fall into the Bulletstorm. Um, section, I'd be interested to see what happens if it turns into a, a serious um, gaming piece. Something maybe by the sounds of it, what uh, Resistance Three has recently done. Yet, you know, that's hardly set the world alight in in sales wise. And I, and I think if anything, it would probably you know the single player wise, it would probably drive away the fans because they've grown to know what they like. As a developer, I feel nothing but you know sympathy for um, people like Cliffy who clearly want to to make something that you know has emotional resonance with uh, the the people that are playing it, yet has lumbered himself doing it with a franchise where it doesn't really suit. And I think probably that's where you're getting uh, quite annoyed of it, Leon. Is you know you almost don't want this serious stuff in my silly game. Well, I you know I like I like serious stuff in in, uh, in in its place, but I don't think yeah I mean I'm sort of saying yeah just you know it the thing that confuses me is that I just I just think it's a big stupid silly game that's enormous fun and, and when I get confused is when people do seem to have emotion invested in it because I don't I just find it hard to empathise with that. Um, however, I don't think it would be that difficult to have you know I love. The, the movie Aliens, and a lot of that is a bunch of space marines kicking ass and talking in witticisms, but there's enough dialogue between them, there's enough moments and looks, and obviously, you know, they have the advantage there of, in this 25-year-old movie of having actual human faces um, and not, you know, not being the proportions of action figures. Um, and by the way, uh, the bit where Marcus is holding hands with uh, Anya, is it, at the end... Um, if his penis is in proportion with his fingers, she is fucking dead um, because his his cock would be wider than her hips. Just a thought for you there. Another um, but, insight brought to you by Leon. <laughs> but actually, I suspect he's got a tiny penis and uh, hence the enormous guns compensating for Yeah, for just that. unbridled his, fury coming from the lack his, of manhood. Yeah, his anger. I, I think we can all agree, though. I mean, this the story isn't the reason you, you come to Gears. It's the gameplay. Um and yeah, maybe it may be, you know, there is maybe a bit too much attention pushed towards the story. Uh, but it, for me, it works on a level for getting me from one scene to the next and occasionally having some sort of uh, emotional reaction. But I will tell you this now, having, you know, on the third run through, we were skipping every single cutscene. And, yes. you know, the gameplay itself was, was you know, the shining light rather than, you know, no, I don't think we felt really anything missing um, cutscene from cutscene on, on the third time through just because we knew what was going on. But, you know, it didn't necessarily lose anything. Just to jump in, say one last piece about the emotion in the game. Mm. Um, I think we can all agree that in the grand scheme of games in general, emotions almost never done well. There's perhaps a handful of games where mm-hmm. it's even been done remotely well. So the, fact, so the fact that the death of Ty in Gears of War 2 is on the radar 
because it was brilliantly well done. Uh, but I don't the, remember that. Ty, it, I have it, no memory of it whatsoever. It's because he was never a major character. He was brought in. He helped fight the Scourge. Took him. He was he was beaten up and bloody, and he you know he was almost like a zombie, and he ended up being given a shotgun by Marcus and turned it on himself. But it was really well done. Um, mm. My the impact that the the death of Dom had in Gears of War three wasn't the death itself. It was afterwards. Never seeing him, never playing him. This is a player who I was exclusively when I played the first game for the full game. It was mm. a player I was almost exclusively all throughout the second game. And now here we are, you know, over halfway through the third game and he's just not there anymore. Oh, you've got me now. That, that's, I feel bereft. <laughs> that's where the impact was in that death, was the fact yeah. that he really was no longer there. This is a guy who's been, you know, front and centre for two and a half games. I assume he's still available as a as a, an avatar in multiplayer. That'd be yeah. hilarious if he wasn't. <laughs> I think that would have been that would have been more cool in a way if they said right. Well, obviously it would have been a bit of a clue to people who jumped straight into the multiplayer. But but if they'd removed all tri- or perhaps they could have done it so that he was there in the multiplayer until you played past that bit in the story, and then all references, all skins, all armors, all models of Don were removed from the entire game. That would have been more powerful. If you were playing as Marcus and there's a little spiritual dumb beside you that never actually interacted with anything, but it was just there. <laughs> or a little tiny dumb face, one over each shoulder, one saying, yes, chainsaw him in the face, and the other saying, no, don't do it, Marcus, you're a good guy. Or just his beard. <laughs> Marcus could put it on his beard. as kind of like a, a, a symbol of dumb. Yeah. I think I speak for most people. I found that beard incredibly distracting throughout the entirety. So did Dom. That's probably yeah, really why he died. He was actually <laughs> aiming for the locust and crashed into the fuel furnace. <laughs> my beard's in my eyes. <laughs> it's flapped up into his face. <laughs> There's nothing that can top that. I think that finishes story. <laughs> okay. Right now, one thing that Gears Two did introduce that was by and large a success was Horde mode, uh, much imitated, um, often repeated, and brought back here in. Full-on 2.0 fashion, 2.0, if you like, uh, with extra stuff and gubbins. And uh, we all played it together, didn't we? Uh, well, at least three of us did. I can't remember who the teams were now, but... Uh, we did. Carl, yeah. Tony and I, we played... Darren, you weren't there, I don't I was think. there. You were there, yeah. 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 Oh, my apologies. Um, we were all there. Um, and, uh, yeah, Horde Mode. Well, I, I very much enjoyed it in Gears 2, but I found that um, after a while people weren't really playing it uh, apart from a couple of people on my friends list. Um, for me, it's kind of the perfect way to play Gears because it's very much makes it into that full-on high-score attack arcade shoot-em-up that I like about Gears. Um, how, about, how about the rest of you? Carl, did you play a lot of Horde 1.0 and uh, have you sunk in a reasonable amount of time apart from the game you played with us into the new Horde? And uh, what are your findings? I gave Horde 1.0, or just Horde, uh, quite a brief... Go when okay. I originally played Gears of War 2. Mm-hmm. I understood it, but the groups of friends that I would normally play with were sort of set in their own little groups, uh, yeah. which made it a bit awkward because I didn't want to do it with just one other person. You know, you want to do it with a full group. Uh, I did go back to it about two weeks before the launch <laughs> of Gears of War 3, <laughs> playing with Tony and some friends. And How was it? 
it was really good fun. It's uh, great. Yeah. It genuinely made me regret not playing more Gears of War 2. So there were issues with, uh, famously on the competitive multiplayer that we've already talked about, um, lag and, and host advantage and stuff. Um, Horde, the original Horde, obviously host advantage wasn't a th- so much of a thing, was it? Would it or, matter? Well, I mean, it, even if uh, it was there, it wouldn't matter. It would only kill the uh, the beasts. So. Yeah. Um, and it, But I do remember it occasionally being a little glitchy in terms of seeing other players uh, kind of warping about and stuff like that. But overall, when you played it recently, it was still functioning okay? It worked well, I mean, very well. Yeah. I mean, you have to compare it to, to Hall 2.0 really to, to see the difference. But what mm. I will say, I mean, I I played probably 40 to 50 hours worth of Hall 1.0. So wow. I can talk I can talk about that pretty much. See, uh, that's pretty why I brought you in, Tony. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, Hall Hold Mode 1 was a f- in unbelievably simple. You can't believe that nobody else had really uh, pushed it uh, in the forefront of the games before. Uh, it, it was basically just everybody in waves coming, and those waves as they would climb up the ladder. So it's, you'd be. It's just an old arcade game. That's what it, it is, is. Yeah. It's totally. Uh, it's totally retro in everything other than the way that you're over the shoulder and it's cover based and that. But in terms of the the, the the mechanic of throwing a load of increasingly tough monsters uh, to for the players to shoot is yeah, it's just it's classic. It's it's classic. The excitement would come because wave one was, was very easy. Once you got to wave eight, the 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 beast at the fray, you would be a lot harder. So you'd have Brumax and etc. Yeah. Uh, trying to take you down, and with that, then you'd have to um, build up defenses. Uh, and this is where Hall 2.0 comes in and probably got an inspiration. But that wasn't necessarily introduced by Epic themselves. It's just people realizing that you know the shields could be placed into the ground, and with those, then that would make a barrier to stop the uh, things getting upstairs, and you'd give yourself an easier time. Mm. Each map had a completely different feel to it because each point, you know, there's always a good place to be it, whether on a bridge or into a you know a corner. You didn't really want to back yourself in a corner, but sometimes it was you know very much needed. Um, and to hold hold my 1.0 was always fun, just pu- purely you know working your way through the waves. And time you got to wave 50, and th- their stats had been massively uh, increased. It was generally uh, hard, certainly on, on some maps, almost impossible uh, to clear 50 waves. And on insane, if you ever did the 50 on insane, then you know you were the god among men, because mm. that's all but impossible even with a, a decent group of four people. So um, the key differences here are you have a persistent leveling up system and yep. you have uh, there's a there's a cash system as well. Well, they've taken inspirations from other games. What, what seems to me from um, Counter Strike, a very old game in particular, but you know, other tower ones. Defense, yeah. Well, tower defense. Um, and now I mean, this is where you're coming to the the fray, Carl, because you've played a lot more Horde 2.0 than I have. But the, the general feeling is that uh, instead of basically throwing shields down the ground, uh, you can invest in spike traps and uh, balls. Yeah, gates and things and turrets that will uh, shoot the, the progressing hall towards you. So yeah, very much a tower defense thing. But you still have to kill the things to earn the money to repair stuff or uh, lay down more stuff and improve your defenses. And that gets increasingly hard. Yeah, it's the transition from hard to hard 2.0 uh, was huge. Uh, as a, as a team-based game, mm. it is team-based tower defense. It works so well. You, everybody gets a role. You take your map. You organize by communications where you want to hold the map. You build. You know. You build your starting point. You can then build 
spike strips and training dummies, which the locust will attack yeah, instead of you. Stupid. And it's so amazing. You yeah, mean. yeah, it's it it's all daft, but everything serves a purpose. You know, the spike strips will slow down tickers from mm. getting near you, which, as odd as it sounds, one of the very biggest threats by the boss waves in Hod Two Point uh, but a wretch, for example, will just leap over it. Uh, so it becomes very, very, it adds a sense of balance uh, and purpose to mm. probably every single map. Have you played all the way through to, is it uh, 50 waves it ends at again? Yes. And yes, I completed all 50 waves with some and friends. You, you get a lovely 10 gamer score for that <laughs> marvellous yeah. feat. It's quite, a, it's quite a, an epic undertaking, isn't it? Um, I assume it gets easier as you're all sort of more, because you, your level up every time you play Horde, for people who haven't played it, you you're, you're, you kind of level up in Horde mode. So when you return to Horde mode, uh, things you've got better at doing, like your defences have been upgraded, they stay upgraded when you start again. So presumably to get to level 50, it helps if everyone's already levelled up a lot before coming into that game. Yeah, that certainly does play a part in it. Uh, but of course, the, the higher level you get these things, the more expensive they become. Yeah. So everybody can have a purpose, and if you can look at someone, you can give them some money now. So oh, yeah. if, if I'm in there and I've got a higher level than anyone else, they could give me the money and I would build the defences, and you know it could keep working like that. So not everybody has to be the higher level because the money you earn doesn't depend on you know individual ranking or your ability to build defences. Yeah, I mean, I certainly I haven't played it enough as I, as much as I want to, but it, I think you know, as a package, Gears Three is a keeper for me for for a, a fairly long time, um, and I'll definitely go back to it. The the sort of standout moments for me were when we were playing together. Were it's the usual kind of thing where you see uh, there was one point where I saw you, Carl, being chased by uh, a can a regular Cantus or something from. I I saw it from across the map from up a bridge, and I shot him in the back of the head just as he was kind of bearing down on you it's all those kind of the sort of classic co-op moments and um yeah and the uh, yeah, real feeling of working as a team which which i enjoy personally more than the competitive multiplayer where it can become a bit you know tense and unpleasant <laughs> i was gonna i was gonna say that the inclusion of horde mode i don't think epic really know what they were hitting on at, at that point as and when they added it um i know people that pretty much just played exclusively horde mode um for two years <laughs> and yeah. you know that that was their multiplayer. I mean, we we get on to multiplayer in a second, but mm. you know, multiplayer can be a love or hate relationship with many many games. And it, for once, it was a freeing sensation that you could have that multiplayer experience. But it was just working together. And Hulk mode is you know is pretty much the best of the business for you know giving that feeling. Um, and you know, sometimes just going for the campaign multiple times doesn't give the same uh, reaction as what multiplayer is. And Hulk mode is is pretty close. Uh, and I've seen a lot of people put a lot of time into 2.0, uh, even talking about certain tactics on certain maps and mm. what to upgrade and what to leave. And um, and, and I know the breakdown of stats is it, it's something in the region of you know 30% of play is on horde mode um, still. So like a huge chunk of uh, people aren't even touching the multiplayer and just sticking to that, mm. which is really good. I think um, because they did put horde into in the, on the disc from day one in, in Gears 2 that they kind of had to do it. But uh, the next mode uh, that we'll talk about very briefly, um, Beast Mode. Uh, I was very surprised. It was interesting that on day one, the DLC for Gears of War 3, you could spend the best part of 40 quid on gun skins 
but I would have thought that they could have very easily charged four or eight hundred Microsoft points for Beast Mode because it's uh, you know it's a it's a perfectly functional, diverting, interesting little side game. That's absolutely true. Uh, what I would say is I think with the DLC they've gone very much in the you know the route of a free to play game where you would make your money through uh, skins, colors, that that sort of thing. And yeah. they wanted to have as many game modes for everybody that everybody would play for years to come. Mm. And and people will play them for years to come. Beast, free to play however, with a paid product. Yeah. <laughs> so Beast mod is and will be the least played mod of yeah. all the multiplayer yeah, mods. I agree. But that does not mean it is not a good mod. It is a very good mod. It has some definitely has some fun. I played through it I played it just once and played all the way through to the end, and I was still unlocking, um, you know, there's still plenty more uh, beasts to unlock, and there's an achievement for one kill with every single kind of beast, which which could be quite compelling. Um, it's, uh, it's a novel twist. Um, it's, I guess the closest thing it's to is uh, the, the Left 4 Dead uh, versus mode, um, in that you get to play the monsters, and sometimes that's quite comical when you get to play a ticker. Uh, or, but not as fun. <laughs> uh, no, but you can also, if you if you play long enough, you get to play a berserker. So, and apparently that is good fun. So it is very good fun. <laughs> okay, um, let's finish up then with the competitive multiplayer. I've never really put any time into the the competitive multiplayers on Gears One or Two. Um, back then, I didn't play much competitive multiplayer or anything. And when the first one was around. And the second one I immediately found was plagued with lag and the infamous shotgun roll uh, gameplay, which made it extremely frustrating and boring for a, a noob. So I very, very quickly put that down. Um, I've played a little of this new one. Some uh, I've played every game mode at least once and played some randoms. And also we played some games together as a group, which was good fun, although, you know, there were some people who obviously knew what they were doing a lot better Sinan. than me. Uh, yeah, evil, <laughs> evil Sinan Kuba of uh, Big Red Potion. Carl, you've uh, recently dinged level 50, I believe, on the game overall, which it must include a fair amount of competitive multiplayer. Um, I assume you're going to tell us that this is, this is the, uh, the ultimate evolution of the Gears multiplayer up to this point? This is the ultimate evolution of the Gears <laughs> multiplayer up to this moment. Okay, is it plagued with any massive issues uh, as the previous games have been? Not massive issues. I know there are a lot of people complaining with regards to the double-barreled shotgun blast radius. Right, it's width, isn't it? The the, the problem here is that the, the double-barrel, the, is it double-barrel or sword-off? Either way. It's sword-off, it? yeah. So, okay, so uh, the idea with that gun is that it's only for super close range, but it takes out things like to a really wide arc left and right. Is that is that that's what I understand anyway? Yeah, the issue a lot of people are having is that say someone rolls up on you, yeah, you would turn in their general direction and not aim. You would just pull the trigger, and they they instantly fall into meaty chunks. Not always, but you you're talking a vast majority of the time, and that that's obviously an instant shot. It's not looking down the sights. I I didn't find it an issue myself because. Mm. If you do miss, you've got one shot and it takes forever to reload. Yeah, I mean, that was the balancer for that particular weapon, you know? Like, a lot of people complain about it, but the fact that it is just one shot, and if you miss, you are a sitting duck for a long time, largely negated my problem with it. Tony, any uh, multiplayer experiences you'd like to share? Did you play the predecessors much, or you've already said, but... 
Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of one. Uh, I'll, I'll keep it quick and, and simple. Why? Um, How huge? Three, four, five, five hundred hours huge. Holy shit. Wow. Okay, um, that's, that's pretty huge. Yeah, it was every pretty much every night for two years um, before Halo 3. That, that It was my game that we, we went on. And there was a group, mainly because there was a group of eight of us that would join up every night and just play Gears. Um, you know, if you can find that group, it can be any game. It's it's one of the best experiences you can have. Absolutely. Um, the reasons why we liked it was it was only eight players. Uh, four aside, things were kept pretty tight and simple. The mats were pretty small, so it wasn't too much wandering around. Um, but the, it had a brilliant balance, which no other game had really touched upon before, where simplicity was the key. Um, with that, it was if somebody had a shotgun that you knew you, you couldn't be close range and the character models were such and the weapon models were such that you always could tell what the opponent had. So with a shotgun, you always um, went in there with a lancer because you could keep them at distance. Um, if somebody had a boom shot, you knew that you had to be nowhere near them and that's where you'd then call the person with the long shot, which was basically a sniper rifle, and then you could pop their head and then they not be a problem. So there was always... A weapon to counteract a different weapon um, and that made for you know really good fun gameplay purely because everyone always knew what the the counteract was for any situation given and there was always a sense in Gears of War 1 if um, if it was four against one the odds were stacked against you but you could still win um, I played a, a fair amount of Gears of War 2 um, and I never got that feeling um, it, it's, they, they made it up to 5 against 5 the maps were slightly bigger they introduced grinding and the mortar shot which were weapons that could just kill you from anywhere on the map really without you realising mm. uh, flamethrowers that they didn't really seem to be that, that fine balance they had from one although you know technically it was you know, I guess a bigger and better experience from a developer point of view Gears of War 3 honestly I haven't had really too much time uh, sunk into it it feels a bit too much like Gears of War Two to me, um, but it, it, you know, it's it, clearly it's it's cleaned up the maps. Are, you know, it, it's nice to see some of the throwback maps from one that I really enjoyed, and uh, then being in there. But I, I haven't put enough time in it to really say whether uh, you know it could you know, <laughs> could really uh, match to five six hundred hours on one. But to be honest, I'm not that person anymore. I'm not likely to spend that amount of time in there. But uh, so much. So Carl, uh, there's so know. many more options these days there apart is, from yeah, anything else. Uh, but obviously, Carl's found time to to plough a lot of effort into it um i one thing i appreciated uh as somebody who hadn't really played gears online much before was the uh, kiddie pool option the, the <laughs> you get to play the first few uh levels of your character progression in with other uh babies who don't know what they're doing and uh my first my first multiplayer game i got a kd ratio of 10 uh it was just so- quit there you go it was so, that was it, and then I never played. No, I did. I I thought I could just never play again and stick with my KD ratio of ten, but I, I'm not sure it even remembered it because it was just one game in the kiddie pool. But yeah, going from that, and then suddenly after about two games in there, you get you get up, you get promoted, and you can never go back to the kiddie pool, presumably unless you wipe all your progress and character. Maybe even server side, it still knows anyway. I don't know, but um. Uh, and yes, it's a, it's a, it's still a bit of a baptism of fire going up against um, people who know what they're doing. Probably some people have been playing the series for five years and maybe even just mm-hmm. playing this one for several hundred hours already. Um, it's a difficult game to just drop in as a, as a, as a casual and just play for 
for fun but i think with a group of mates uh yeah it's 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 excellent and like i'm not the person to talk about balancing issues or anything like that that's obviously for for carl who's played it a lot more but sounds like mm, sort of no significant issues then no i think the balancing is really quite good in the third game you know everybody starts with different weapons you've got the three rifles the two shotguns and what would what i'd say would be telling about the three starting rifles is that going through the campaign Tony would always use the retro lancer. I would mm. always use the hammer burst, and one of the people we were playing with would always use the standard lancer. Right. Yeah. So each does have its own purpose and in advantages. Uh, they've added new things into multiplayer. They've added a new control method so that running won't stick you to the wall with one of the yeah, control I methods. Yeah, I heard about this. Uh, actually, worth commenting on. Um, I watched an Inside Xbox video where uh, the Inside Xbox people recommended this alternate. Um, control method um, where the stick to the wall button is different from the separate control Uh, and they said well it takes a bit of getting used to but once you get used to it it's well worth it because it stops certain things happening Um, have you actually have you actually adopted this because to me it was like well even though even though I've only been playing like you know mainly co-op single co-op campaign gears the idea of completely uh, changing my control setup was way too daunting that's the same reason I haven't done it. Mm. Just muscle memory. It's going to take. It's going to take months to to unbreak that. It's after. it's very true. Gears of War is all about muscle memory. It's like the active reload, it becomes yeah. so natural that you don't even look in the corner. You just know the timing. You hit the active reload. Mm. They also added another cool feature into multiplayer, which is that. Before in Gears of War 2, when someone was behind cover, they'd, you, they'd have a shotgun so that when you went to go near them, they'd pop up and hit you with it, usually kill you. In this one, if you quickly run up to the wall, you can now leap over the wall and kick mm, them. Mantle, yes. Yes, <laughs> mantle. Mantling's uh, this, year's, uh, this year's bloom. Um, you can mantle in Battlefield 3 as well. It's, uh, it's all the rage. Um, right, so I think to uh, conclude, um, we should each go around and uh, give our overall feelings uh, as regards to Gears of War 3 as a product, as a boxed product and uh, as, as a game in our library. And also maybe just a, a quick thought on what we want to see from the future of the franchise, if anything. <laughs> uh, Darren. Yes. Did you like Gears of War then, dear? I enjoyed it, but to be honest, there's not really that that much of a hook for me to go back. Like, I rarely play multiplayer games. Mm. Um, I'm not particularly good at Gears of War 3, and a lot of very annoying tactics can easily take me out. You know, like, um, you've spoken about the rolling shotgun tactic, and if you've got two of those guys rolling at you, I've got no idea what to do and getting killed repeatedly to that, or just seeing a shotgun orgy in the middle, really puts me off trying to learn it. I'm sure there is a way around it, uh, team tactics as well, but just breaking through that barrier is really hard. Tony? I feel a little bit like Darren, actually, in the fact that I don't think I'm going to... This is going to be my multiplayer choice. Um, I'm still kind of trying to search for whatever that may be. Maybe it will be Battlefield, who knows? As much as I love the... um, the first, and I've, I've sunk hundreds and hundreds of hours into it. Uh, I, I don't think free is, is going to have the hook to me. Single player wise, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed the campaign for what it was. Um, 
you know, being through it three times now, I've kind of probably seen most of that stuff it's going to offer. Uh, Horde, I imagine I will be coming back as a regular uh, time and time again uh, for the next two or three years. So that's probably where my multiplayer time will be put in. Uh, what I will say, if if you, you're one of these people that only have um, one or two games that you can pick up in a year, Gears of War 3 would be a very good package for you to consider because it has all these different features. I mean, Horde, you can put hundreds of hours into multiplayer, of course you can, and single player. But on top of that, there's so many unlockables that we haven't actually uh, talked about in, in you know, different feats. They have a what they call the Onyx system, a medal system, like most games now, where if you perform certain feats, then you, you work your way closer to those medals, and those medals then unlock certain things, such as um, one of the cars, the, the active reload one, which, how do you achieve that? 10,000 active reloads. 50,000, maybe. <laughs> 50,000 active reloads. That, that's going to take you a while. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there's, there's certain ones where you, you unlock certain things, which then, um, uh, for instance, if you get an active reload in the arcade campaign story mode, it makes your bullets, is it 10 times more powerful? Uh, so you can take down Brumax and, and things in pretty much just half a clip. It's it's quite hilarious how quickly they go down. But you know, it, there's a cost in your multiplier, but it's more fun just to do it that way. Um, so overall, would I recommend it? Of course I recommend it. Would I want more from the series? I think probably freeze the right rest in place. I want to see what they can do with the Unreal Engine on a different uh, game. I think it, it's... It's you know, it's it's story art for what it is has come to a, a fairly decent end. Although Gears of War on a on a new platform, you know, I don't know how good could the Epic possibly make it. But uh, uh, one thing I do want to touch on, and, and Leon, you could probably talk about this um, as much as me, is in the case of Cliffy B and, and the whole review score fiasco, uh, where you know, he criticised Eurogamer, and not just Eurogamer, other people for giving the game an 8. Well, that's the thing, um, he actually stopped speaking to Destructoid because they gave it an 8. Yeah, and for, for my two cents on this, I don't want to get too political in here, and I think if you if you look at it, I, it is the best Gears of War game that has ever been made. Uh, Undoubtedly. Other other people have given, you know, for for instance, Eurogamer are given Gears of War 2 a 9, so clearly it follows suits. When I look at something like that, I say no, because I think the industry changes. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. If, if you're reviewing on. something in a little bubble where a previous title was given a 9, and so surely this deserves a 10. No, because the industry is three, de- three to four years a, down the line. Exactly. It's an absurd concept by, by, yeah. by that token, you know, the games that were getting 9s and 10s in the mid-80s, uh, you know, games should be getting like, you know, 400 out of 10 now so it makes absolutely no sense the world has moved on in since 2008 you know some games live and and some games die and some games age like a fine wine and others don't gears 2 certainly aged like a tin of open beans and uh, <laughs> and gears of war 3 is kind of yeah it's like a it's like a really good example of what you'd want and expect from gears 3 it's it's about as good as as they could have made it i think which is incredibly high praise you high know. praise yeah um but yeah for me it's still it's like you know in terms of value for money it's fairly you know uh un- untouchable um but that said for me it's still overall it's like it's an eight out of ten experience because there's nothing about it which which i find kind of earth-shatteringly gobsmacking as excellent as it does everything as consistent as it is as fun as it is there's nothing in it that's absolutely remarkable but when was eight out of ten a bad mark well exactly it's it's it's, it's a fine ludicrous eight out of ten is excellent in 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 italics carl what's your uh, obviously you're a fan um 
do you think you know do you understand where tony's coming from when he says that because of where we are now you know he's he's probably just even though it's the best game of the series he's probably not going to play it as much as he played its predecessors in a way or the first game anyway so much choice as you base purely on choice it makes complete sense not to get bogged down by one game it it's almost impossible to just stick to one title now uh, of course, I did manage to stick to Halo Reach for three months last year, but that's by <laughs> the by. Um, in regards to Gears of War 3, if you were to buy it, it it's certainly a value-for-money package, probably second only to Halo Reach in what it offers. Mm. Uh, you've got you know, at least a 12-month supply of DLC, which is coming out on top of what's already in there. You know, you've got Horde, you've got Beast, you've got competitive multiplayer, you've got single-player, you've got arcade mode in single-player and cooperative single player. So you can't go wrong. Sure, the, the story could be better. Everything could be better. <laughs> it's, as you know, people are always aiming for the next big thing. So, uh, yeah, I would actually, ironically, um, pro- kind of um, contradicting myself here, really, but if there was going to be another Gears game, do you know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see a uh, a launch title for the next Xbox and it would be a prequel. It would be called Gears of War Zero, and it would be set in the Pendulum Wars. Yes. That's, that's what I'd like to see. Sold. Um, obviously, a better... Like, I don't care about the story, but it makes more sense than doing another sequel. And uh, and it could potentially... You know, if they made it as good a product, as solid as and, and slick and, and full a product as three, but with next-gen, you know, obviously what we're looking at now on the PC... That uh, you know, with Battlefield Three on a higher spec PC, those kind of levels of graphics, it would be fairly fucking awesome. And even if the gameplay was just more gears, I think that sort of extra heft in in graphical oomph would probably be the the thing to make us play it for another few hundred hours rather than than this one where we're kind of going, yeah, it's awesome, but I need to play something else now. There's so many games coming out. It is crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, imagine our, our youth getting a game like Gears. It would last oh. you forever. Yeah. Uh, although yeah. you wouldn't be old enough to play it because there's an 18 people. Well, so. you can turn the gore and the swearing off, though, which, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, it is. It is still an 18, but um, I, I wonder if it is. It's, a, it's probably a lot more family-friendly with gore and swearing off. I can't imagine. You can turn the swearing off. Yeah, you can turn the language off in the menus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to do that now just to see what he says. I lost my flipping brother. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I've seen that option in the menu. Aaron Griffin, I am so angry at you for. Yeah. (laughs) Aaron Griffin doesn't say anything. (laughs) He's just, yeah. Well, it might be beat. Um, I left my beep, brother. Aaron Griffin may just have no lines whatsoever because he can't call anyone a motherfucker. Ice tea. Yes. Uh, well, his contribution to that game was every bit as edifying as the song that they contributed to the end credits. <laughs> Jay, you can close with that if you want. I'd really rather you didn't know. Um, so it remains for me to thank Carl and Darren for coming on this show and talking Gears 3. No problem, buddy. About, contem- about as contemporary as we get here on, on Kane and Rinse. Um, it is, yeah. Now, Tony and I will see you through this last section. Uh, once again, as we heard from uh, Joe today, we do want your voice on the show with your comments and questions on the upcoming topics for us to answer and throw about. Uh, via Skype, you can send us a contact request 
cane and rinse and we will accept it and then you can leave us a message or you can just simply send us an mp3 which you can record via whichever method you choose uh, forthcoming topics include next week we have a show on assassin's creed brotherhood as well as exploring the the, the, the story and fiction of assassin's creed um heavenly sword is coming up and enslaved odyssey to the west a ninja theory all all Ninja Theory show there. And Shadows of the Damned is another. So uh, please send in your comments and questions about those topics. We would love to have them on and kick them about some. Of course, you can always follow us on Twitter at Kana Rinse. Uh, or if you wish to find our own personal ones, you can go on the uh, KanaRinse.com. Uh, Easy enough to find. Um, if you want to catch, contact us by email... Uh, which we still not going to read on the show, but we do like having, we've had some really nice comments actually being thrown to the email. So yeah. if you do want to find us there, you can contact us on caneandrince at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash caneandrince. Uh, we are part of the Character Select Network, uh, along with all those other good shows, uh, Console Arcade, Ready Up, Gamer Dork, Thumb Culture. Um, you can join in the discussion with the communities from all those sites and podcasts at characterselect.net slash forum. Uh, it's getting ever busier and uh, more welcoming. So I urge you to come by, discuss the things we've been talking about on the show and whatever else gaming-wise, um, as well as organizing community game nights and so on and so forth. And as always, we love your iTunes subscriptions, reviews and ratings are most welcome. It does help us move up the charts. And if other people you know, are looking for a show and they see the comments, then it helps them decide whether it's something they want to listen to or not. So if you could do that, it would be much appreciated. Indeed. Now, I've got a couple of weeks off uh, before we return with uh, Shadows of the Damned and uh, something else that's to be announced. We have something bubbling under, but I, I can't announce it just yet. Uh, next week, Tony, you're tackling Assassin's Creed without me. Yeah, leave me with a big one. Yeah. It's only a small franchise, you may have heard it. Yeah, apparently the backstory is quite easy just to, you know, you just have to just knock it out, be fine. Something about a guy, yeah. something doing something. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, it just remains for me to thank once again Carl, Darren, Tony, and uh, I will see you in two weeks, and Tony will be with you next time. Goodbye. Today